Welcome back to the Metal Exchange, here for a very special episode and, and something a little bit different. Uh, I got Chris here with me as usual. How are you, bud? Very good. Um, I woke up today with Revolution Calling uh, stuck in my head, so um, still still in the Queensryche uh, state of mind. Nice. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a revolution here as well. We're joined by uh, the mystery third man for this week, Michael Crea joins us. Michael Crea. <laughs> Uh, a longtime friend and uh, a perfect person, I think, to to join us for today's discussion as we talk about the origins of our Prog Power experience. Uh, back going back to two thousand and two, uh, talking about Prog Power three and kind of why we went and stuff like that, and um, really, I guess the reasons for um, you know how this, in part, how the podcast kind of came together. Mike, how are you? Good, good. I'm glad to uh, be a part of this, and thanks for having me. Oh, our, our pleasure, man. I think it's going to be a fun conversation, because as I was kind of like going back in time and, you know, just kind of piecing these things together, I realized that my memory is terrible. And it's ironic, because when I went to this show back in 2002, I was not 21, and I didn't have a single beer the entire weekend, but I don't remember a lot of it. I remember, like, images and different, like, things that happened, but as an overall weekend... I have very little memory of this, so I'm hoping if we put our three heads together, we can kind of piece this thing back together. Most of my memories revolve around merchandise Mike purchased, uh, including Gamma Ray box sets and Silent Force jackets, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in detail as we uh, as we proceed. For, for sure, and I think that the, that is the reason why he is uh, definitely the perfect person to join us this week. Uh, I'm going to go back to February 26th of 2002, and, and I remember going on Blabbermouth, uh, the metal site, and they had released a press release for what was ultimately the, the origins of Prog Power 3, and it was basically a press release where they had announced... Uh, the third version of this festival that was taking place in November of 2002. And they kind of went into uh, the lineup and they announced that the headliners would be Blind Guardian and Angra and Gamma Ray. They also mentioned Threshold and they had quotes from Hansi Kirsch and Kai Hansen. And I remember seeing this and thinking to myself, I have to be there. My first question for you guys is, had you ever heard about Prog Power 2 or was this like kind of the first that you had heard about the festival? Um, I, I don't think I heard of Prog Power 1 or 2, but I remember there being rumblings of the third one happening and who was going to play. And I remember like a lot of people, I, I, it was on a message board, but I don't remember which message board, but somebody was, um, people were speculating like who was going to play. And there was kind of this buzz that it was going to be a really, really like extra special lineup. Um, and then I just remember when the lineup was announced, I think we all just like called each other. I think we were all in college at the time and we're all just calling each other and being like, uh, we, uh, we're going to have to go to this thing. Had you ever heard of the fest, Mike, or was it just kind of through us uh, when you heard, obviously the lineup announced? Uh, no, I, I heard of, um, actually it was a festival called Power Mad before this whole prog power thing. And I, Power Med was, I forgot where that was held. I, I think it was in Maryland. Maryland, Maryland yeah. yeah. And um, and then from that, I this stemmed out, but I don't remember Prog Power 1 or 2 or anything like that. So so Glenn Harveston, who was a patron of Power Med, was the one that puts on the Prog Power USA show. 
The first festival was held in Chicago in 2001, early 2001. Uh, kind of a, a, a lower-end lineup, uh, a lot of American bands, and it was kind of bookended by Jagpanzer, Evergrey, Pain of Salvation, and Symphony X, which were kind of the anchors for that first show. And then he would do a second edition in Atlanta, where the festival has been held ever since, uh, and he did that in November of 2001. And I think you can kind of see the transition um, into bigger lineups. What do you think, Chris? Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but w- wasn't the story that Glenn had attended Power Mad and was like, I could do a better festival than this, and one of his friends was just like, well, then why don't you? And he's like, okay, and, and then yeah. he did. <laughs> I mean, it was really as simple as that, and, and the Chicago show was uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, I, I wasn't there, I had never heard about it, so I don't know that the publicity was great, but for whatever reason, it sold well at a very small venue and then he moved it kind of closer to his home in Atlanta which is as I said where the second festival uh, ultimately took place and the rest would as well the second festival which I did not go to I had friends that went we have mutual friends that went but we never went is, is something I still kick myself about because I'll just go through the lineup quickly not as many heavy hitters but a lot of bands that I personally love and I just am kicking myself for not going um, Superior, who would break up soon thereafter from Germany. Balance of Power, which was one of my favorite bands, um, who I'm still to this day uh, not not happy that I never got to see. Uh, Nightingale, Spiral Architect, Steel Prophet, Angel Dust, Ark, which is my biggest regret of them all, not seeing that band. And then Evergrey, Camelot, and Symphony X. So right away, you can see that the lineup is trending in the right direction and then they announced this thing. And um, all I can say about this festival is that when you look at the lineup, and we'll go through it all, but when you look at this lineup, you have many bands, multiple bands, all of whom did headlining tours of the U.S. in the next 20 years. And some of these bands are at the middle or bottom of the lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that when you kind of re um remind me of like who with the top bands were at Prague Power One and Two, it was more kind of on the Prague Prague end, whereas I feel like on this lineup it was like they went full bore with power metal with Gamma Ray and Angra and Blind Guardian and Ed Guy, just to name probably the top four power metal bands that played at Prague Power Three. But yeah, um uh that was uh that was like the I wanna say the first time almost all of those bands had played a show in the United States. Um, Blind Guardian may have previously, I'm not 100% sure, but I know Gamma Ray, Ed Guy, Angra. Um, I don't, I, I know that had to be Silent Forces, maybe only show in the U.S. that I'm aware of. Um, just a lot, uh, I think it was Thresholds for a show in the U.S. I mean, just a lot of debuts, and that would lead to these bands actually coming to the U S and doing tours, which wasn't a thing prior to that. I mean, some of the albums, some of the, al- the albums you couldn't even get, um, because they weren't released domestically. So that was another thing. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the, you know, all the stuff that they had on sale there, but, um, it was just, I feel like this specifically, this Prague power three festival was like a gateway for a lot of power and prog metal uh, bands to, to get more well-known in this country, do tours, and have albums released here. 
Blind Guardian had never played the U.S. Um, at this point. In fact, it was the debut for almost all the bands except for Pain of Salvation, who had obviously played it that first edition a year and a half prior. Um, but for everybody except Pain of Salvation, Zero Hour, and Reading Zero, these were all debuts. Devin Townsend obviously had played here as well in, in different capacities, but he was doing most of the stuff with Strapping Young Lad. He had never played a solo show ever. In fact, this was his first solo show anywhere. Um, and you can see by some of that old video footage, it was really raw. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I, I don't remember how we all decided we have to go to this thing. But I remember seeing the press release and saying to myself, come hell or high water. I have to see these bands because to your point, nobody was touring the US at this point. Not, not these bands. We got very lucky to see Halloween back in 1998, but that was a one-off. Uh, and short of that, if it wasn't a Metallica or a Queensryche or a Symphony X or a Dream Theater, none of these bands were playing. And this was almost like the gateway drug, if you will, where they played this festival and then they said, you know what? There's a bit of a following here. Maybe we can do another show or a small tour. And, and it, for some of these bands, it absolutely exploded. Mike, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I don't remember how we came to all agree upon going, but uh, I remember Chris being in college, and uh, Justin, you and I, I believe, we took a flight down together, right? Yeah, we, we flew down together. I don't remember, Chris, if you had flown from Scranton directly or if you had come with us, but I remember flying down with you, and we had gone on vacation about two years prior to this. It was the first time that we all had flown out anywhere together, but it was the first time that we had gone to a metal festival um, just because, you know, we were young. There was, you know, we weren't going to we weren't going to Vakken at the time. So this was about as good as it was going to get. And, you know, I remember knowing nothing about it other than I, we fly into the Atlanta airport and then we just kind of have that loose directions to get to the hotel and the venue down the street. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, so, Mike, yeah, you're right. I was I was in college at Scranton. I flew by myself. Um, I. I'll never forget the night before we were set to leave that, of course, you know, it's a Thursday night. So, of course, there's a party going on in our house. And um, I forgot. I think it was like my my roommate, Pete. It was his birthday. So, like, somebody just lugs in a keg of rolling rock into our house the night before. So, like, I'm three sheets to the wind and I'm in my I'm in my bedroom on the floor. And I, I mean, this was like before texting, as crazy as that is. So we were probably like IMing each other on AOL or AIM or whatever. And, and I forgot somebody was like, bring lot your liner notes because you're going to probably meet the bands and you're going to want to get stuff signed. So I'm sitting on the floor in my bedroom drunk, uh, <laughs> picking out like which liner notes I wanted to bring with me going through all my, my gamma ray and Ed guy and anger CDs or whatever, and putting them in a bag or whatever. And, and I just remember like, I had to force myself to go to sleep at like, I don't know, two or three o'clock in the morning, my flight left at like six, six thirty, And I had a friend of mine who, um, was supposed to drive me to the airport, uh, the next morning. And he was, um, he set an alarm and he just like, he's like, he's like, all right, all right, just wait one second. And he just goes to the bathroom, throws up and then goes, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Oh God! To be young again. I, I, I was. I remember thinking to myself, like, "Oh my God! I hope they let me on the plane because I probably smell like a, like the bottom of a, a taxi cab right now." Like it, it's, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I, and it was funny because once I got there, just like you, like I didn't have a drink the entire time. Um, Mike was twenty one at the time, but me and you were twenty, so like we couldn't even legally <laughs> get a drink. And 
back then, like I, I was like, I never wanted to drink at concerts anyway, which has clearly changed over the years. But um, at the time I was just like, oh man, I, I just want to remember <laughs> as much of this as possible. So plus I was probably so hungover from <laughs> the, the night before that I didn't really care to have a drink anyway. I remember Mike even offered to get me a drink because he had the, the bracelet. Um, but I was just like, nah, I'm good. I, I, I just want to kind of take all this in. So that was kind of my experience of, of getting there. Boy, would that change over the next 20 years. Um, I, I remember sending that message about the liner notes now that you mention it because our mutual friends who had gone the, the year prior said that they got to meet Camelot and all these other bands. And I said to myself, may as well just get these things signed. And, and they're probably sitting in my attic right now. But I remember vividly um, getting off the plane with you, Mike, uh, seeing the shine guy, which obviously was a, a funny thing to this point. You want to get into that and tell a little bit about what, your memory of that guy? <laughs> I think that's my first memory of Prague Power 3. Uh, other than that, I can't remember anything what happened before that, but I'll never forget getting off the plane and walking through the airport like with a stupid smile on my face just because I don't travel much, and that was maybe, at that point, the furthest I've ever been from any from my house. So I'm like, look at this place, you know? And then I hear, shine, shine. And shoo shine shine, like going <laughs> walking, walking through the airport, and I couldn't help but burst out laughing. And and I think I can't. I think Pat was with us, and <laughs> and he's like, Shh. you know, I couldn't help it. I I tried to keep it in, but I heard the guy, and I I lost it. Oh, it, uh, maybe I had to be there, but I'm I'm crying right now because that was. Um, Exactly how I remember it 20 years ago. And we are, we get to the airport. We get to, uh, the mass transit system, which is called the MARTA. We jump on this thing. We get off the exit for, for the hotel. Um, and we get out. We have no idea where we're going. We wind up going across the street to the actual, at the time it was called the Granada Hotel. And it will probably always be the Granada to me. We get to the hotel kind of dump our stuff in a room. But as we go to check in and we get into the lobby, I remember seeing something which was uh, a memory that I will take to my grave. You want to get into that? Yeah, we walked. <laughs> like, I guess I remember, I was, I, I can't remember if I met you guys at the airport, I, but I remember we walked in at the same time. Um, and we walk into the lobby and the art more looks very different nowadays. Um, there was no courtyard after parties like we have nowadays like um it was just it just felt like a lot more intimate but um we walked in and just sitting in the lobby is kiko lorero from angra just with his guitar like just practicing and at that point we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like holy crap where are we right now like it was like seeing your your heroes come to life right in front of you and i was like oh i guess and i remember later on that day um meeting Henjo Richter from Gamma Ray and him being super nice and just getting, just whipping out booklets and getting guys to sign stuff on a whim. And it, it was, it was wild. Like I just, it was mind boggling to me that these guys were just kind of like hanging out amongst the peons, you know, the, the way I would describe it was Disney world for power and progressive metal fans, because that's what it really was like where you're getting to like meet the bands and, and all this stuff that just had seemed so foreign to me at the time. Um, what was interesting was that we flew in on a Friday because the show was going to be Friday and Saturday, and we had obviously uh, tickets to fly home on Sunday. There was a pre-show on Thursday, 
I didn't even contemplate going to this thing. Uh, the, the bands that were scheduled to play and actually played the pre-stro uh, were Magistral, Persephone's Dream, and Sea Seren, uh, all American bands. And it was actually held at a different venue. This was the night before on Thursday, but whatever. I mean, we flew in on our Friday. We wind up coming home on Sunday. And I just remember thinking to myself, the whole two days flew by. It just seemed like an absolute blink of an eye. And now the thing's like a week uh, four days of shows and, and all this stuff. And it's just so funny how things have changed over time. How it's just become a, a, a lot, a, a different experience for sure. But yeah, to your point, we get there on Friday and we're kind of like walking around the hotel. And I remember vividly catching wind that there was something going on in the basement of the hotel. And I didn't quite know what it was, but I remember going down to the basement of the hotel and there was like, I guess, press interviews that were taking place in the basement of the hotel. I don't know if I had my beer courage or whatever because I hadn't had a drink, but we just walked right into this thing and started getting booklets signed and introducing ourselves to everybody like we own the place, which is kind of funny because we were nobodies at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're still nobodies. That's true. That's that. That's 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 true. I, I no no argument there. That has that hasn't changed. But the confidence to actually just go in there and get this yeah. stuff signed was. was I remember. Was I remember um, seeing uh, Dirk Schlachter and Henjo Richter from Gamma Ray um, kind of go out this door um, to go have a cigarette in the parking garage. And I, was it you, Mike? They grabbed somebody. And I was just like, I just followed them out there, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just light up a smoke and, and hang out with these guys and act like, like, oh, I was just coming out to have a smoke. And, and they ended up being so nice. Uh, Henjo didn't speak great English, but Dirk did, and and they were asking questions about like um, what the metal scene was like in the U.S. And I was kind of telling them that I had a like a college radio show at the time, and they were asking like, what you know, what's that like? And I was like, well, you know, like couple of people from the local prison listen to it and stuff but um that was i think that was just such a memorable moment to just kind of like sneak off <laughs> in the parking garage yeah i um i do remember that i uh you did grab me and we went to the to the garage i remember henjo's there i remember talking to him uh, quite a bit and um uh, i'll never forget sneaking into that press conference not really sneaking more like just waltzing in because the security guard was standing right there and we just walked past him. We said hello. <laughs> that was it. That, that would become the a theme for the next 20 years as well. But th- that's a story for another day. And, and Glenn, if you're listening, I humbly apologize. Uh, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, we, 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 we walked right in and it was great. I remember Angra was there. I remember meeting Edu and getting him to sign uh, a bunch yeah. of the book list. This is right when he had joined the band. Um, and, and obviously, I remember Ed Guy, I think, being there as well in and around the same time. Because all these bands were staying at the, art, uh, the Granada. I think Mike might have told the security guard that he knew a good shoeshine guy, and that's what kind of got us uh, through the door. That was but, the password, uh, right? Like for this. I just season. yeah, I just remember thinking to myself like, yeah, we're not supposed to be in here, <laughs> but nobody really seemed to care. So yeah, it was. I remember that vividly. And then before you know it, it was time to actually go down the block to center stage and, and watch the show. I think it was called Earthlink Live at this point, but based on our history, it would always be center stage to us. I'm going to actually toss this one to you, Chris. You want to get into a brief history of this uh, venue? Yeah, this is where um, the NWA slash WCW would record pretty much all of their television tapings. So it was kind of like this holy grail for a wrestling fan. And I always thought it was kind of interesting that they would um, 
that prog power was taking place there. Um, I think it was originally called Center Stage, changed to Earthlink Live, and then changed back. It's it's now Center Stage yet again. But um, I mean, there were jokes galore about like you know Cactus Jack coming into the basement, hitting Vader with a shovel after Ed Guy finished <laughs> their set. Like, just uh, a lot of uh, we still to this day make jokes about like oh you know the ghost of Dusty Rhodes is in the rafters during the during the uh, the master plan set. Um, <laughs> just just silly things like that. But yeah, so it was kind of like going to this like holy grail of of a wrestling uh place so um that was that was really cool uh, just and and it, it brings going back and watching those old wrestling matches and seeing them at center stage it just is, it's so hard to believe that there was like wrestling there because it, it just doesn't look like a place you would see wrestling but i guess the ring was on the floor where all the fans would be standing during the concert. So um, it just makes me laugh when I, especially when they go backstage, because years later we would actually become sponsors and, and actually see backstage and just be like, holy crap, this is where like, you know, Sting and Ric Flair, like we're fighting each other or whatever. So yeah, that, that was kind of a, a cool thing. A little, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, that was a cool little, uh, little connection there. And the venue gets a lot of um, flack, I guess, for being kind of a, you know, not the greatest venue or whatever for wrestling. And I, I, I guess I can appreciate that. But for music, sonically, it's one of the best sounding venues that I've ever been in. So that, that I'll say right off the bat, it's kind of an interesting setup. As you said, there's a floor area and then there's stadium seating in a half circle that kind of surrounds the stage. And then the other side of the venue is just the stage where everyone is obviously watching it again in, in a half round setting watching the shows uh and it's kind of perfect in the sense that it's a big enough venue that you don't feel like there's 25 people there but it's intimate enough that there's no bad seat and the sound as i said is is really really good i i agree completely as long as it's it's not like that one time we saw symphony x symphony x and it was so loud that i had the I had to step outside, even though I was in the last row in the venue. But uh, yeah, that was that, that. That's a that's a story for for another podcast. Um, when did do you remember if we went right in to watch the band? And I, we'll get into the bands in a second. But do you remember if we did that, or if we went to like what they would call like the vendors, which were kind of littered outside the lobby? Well, the way it was set up at the time was that um, you walk in, and you know nowadays there's that. Um, the vendor room, which is kind of like a, a bar that was converted into a space for all these vendors to set up their tables and sell stuff. But at the time, they were just outside the the venue where like the bar, like the venue's bars and, and everything are like right outside the doors into where the concert was taking place. So it was crowded. I mean, you had these tables of people selling CDs like right outside the door as you walk out from the show. Um, God, I remember spending every last dollar I had at the time, which wasn't much. It was like maybe 120 bucks. And I spent all of it on CDs that I hadn't gotten. Cause you know, when you're in college, you just broke all the time. So and the access, like, you don't have access to half these albums. Yeah, at least in 2002. Like, I remember like most of the bands that played, I hadn't gotten their latest album. So like I needed to get gamma rays, uh, new world order or no world order album. And I had to get Ed guys, Mandrake album, which I ended up, getting signed while i was there and uh angra's um nova era um rebirth album um uh, i think i also got i think i got blind guardians night at the opera album as well um if that was out at the time i don't remember but i bought a ton of stuff i remember buying um 
the uh, the Dionysus album Sight Unseen just because the guy was like hawking it and he was like, oh, it was produced by Tobias Sammet and it's got the singer from Luca Turley. And I'm like, all right, what the hell? And um, I remember buying Misa Mercuria, the, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of project that I think it was like the guys from Vandenplas and um, DC Cooper, and, and DC Cooper, which that was really cool. Just kind of like, it was kind of cool just buying things on a whim and then not being able to actually listen to them until we got home um, and pop them into a CD player. But uh, Mike was like the king of merch at that festival. Like he would, he, I remember like thinking to myself, like, are they going to let this guy back on the plane? Like he's got like, he's, he's the customs like, form to get this back into New York. It was he's uh, got a two foot by two foot by two foot cube with every Gamma Ray album ever released with one missing signature. Mike, why don't you tell us the, uh, the story of the missing signature? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I had about 20 albums, uh, at least with me on the way back. I, I was like, I have to load up. Look at all this stuff, and it's all you know cheaper than you know around here and everything else. But uh, yeah, I so I found the uh, the Gamma Ray box set back then, and I was like, I don't have any other albums, and you know, let me just grab this. It looks awesome. If I can get it signed, even better. And uh, so I got all their signatures uh, except for the drummer, um, Dan Zimmerman. I, yes, Dan Zimmerman, and um, I remember. Uh, asking um, the lead singer of Gamma Ray, I was like, where's Dan? And uh, he's like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. He's, he's off somewhere. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> What's funny is, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you follow Kai Hansen into an elevator at some point? Yes. Like you ran after him? I mean, like literally running down the hallway. <laughs> where's oh, Dan no. Zimmerman? He's grabbing him by the hotels. <laughs> Tell me where Dan Zimmerman is. <laughs> No, this I, I didn't run after him. We just happened to share the same elevator, and uh, this I think this was before I even started buying any of the merchandise and everything. And I'm and I'm standing there, and I'm like, "Holy cow! I'm I'm, I'm in an elevator with, you know, with Kai Hansen. Like, what's going on? You know?" And he starts uh, we start you know BSing about um, about the elevator sign and the capacity, and and the like. You know, he starts, you know, saying this and that about the elevator sign and, uh, you know, who needs a permit and this and that. So, I don't know. We're just joking about. And uh, and then uh, we got all the elevator. I don't, I, that's not how you told me the story. Why don't you tell it the way you told me with the accent? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a little more cursing involved, and I don't want to say that. So, you know, <laughs> so. I'm giving you the light version. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting the, uh, the the abridged version. Yeah, um, he's like, you know, who, who wants to go to the to the office to get the elevator permit? And, you know, blippity blank, blank, blank. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, we get off the elevator and we said our goodbyes. And I was like, yeah, I'll see you later. You know, good luck and this and that. And uh, If you subscribe to our Patreon, you can hear the uncensored uh, version of me <laughs> telling the story. Did you ever find Dan Zimmerman? No, I never did. He... he it was like a running. It was like a running joke for the whole second day we were there. Like Mike's quest to find <laughs> Dan Zimmerman. Because I remember, man, I don't know what. Maybe it's Da Vinci's now, but it, there was this Greek restaurant that's like made gyros and stuff. And I remember we went there to eat, and we were coming outside, and all four members of Gamma Ray were all standing there. So we all took pictures with them. Um, but that I think was before Mike had bought his box set. Yeah. And that was the only time I had seen Dan Zimmerman the entire time we were there. And I just, we were lucky enough to get a picture with the entire band. But, um, yeah, I took that picture. 
Well, I appreciate it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story, which I think you'll, Chris especially will uh, appreciate. I remember buying In Search of Truth from Evergrey when I was there on a, on a recommendation, never knowing that Tom Englund would actually be at Prog Power 3 as a patron. That would become a running theme for the next 20 years of Tom Englund not necessarily playing the festival, but being there. I just thought it was ironic that, like, it started really early and it never, never ended because, I mean, like I said, he was, I think they were at the first one and they just. That was the year up. that his, that was the year his lease started when living in the, <laughs> at the basement at Center Stage. Exactly, with, um, exactly. Um, yeah, him, him and, him and Mike, Michael Erickson from Circus Maximus share a, a, a one bedroom apartment um, underneath. Uh, center stage with the ghosts of uh, Big Van Vader. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, getting into the lineup for a little bit, I remember this was the time in my life where if there was a band playing, I was going to stay and watch the band, even though I knew nothing by, by some of these, uh, at least one of these artists. I, I remember the show kicked off with Zero Hour, um, and it would be like, I just, if the band was playing, I wasn't going to go outside. I was just going to watch the whole set. And I remember Zero Hour playing and just thinking they were like technically like masters but for some reason i think i was so excited to see silent force and the rest of the bands that were coming up that i have little memory of the actual set itself i can't remember if i saw zero hour i mean i can't imagine i was alone like if you guys were there then i was probably with you but i i really have no memory of seeing them how about you mike yeah i remember seeing them and um i even to this day i'm i'm a little more picky than you guys so i'm not a biggest the biggest fan, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I've seen them, uh, more times than I'd like to ever. <laughs> well, everyone's got a right to their opinion. I do know for a fact that everyone was there for the next band because again, you're talking about the second band of the night and it's DC Cooper fronting silent force who, if I'm not mistaken, this was, I think off the heels of their second full length release. And they were kind of really kicking it into high steam at this point, just in terms of uh, the albums that they were putting out, because that, that, that second Silent Force album was awesome. Yeah. I remember buying it um, at that Prague power and having it signed by, by DC and um, maybe somebody else was there. Who else? Somebody else. I think I got their autograph too um, from Silent Force. I, I'm not remembering off the top of my head, um, but um, I was so pumped the, that, um, they played uh, River of Pain because I was like, oh, it'd be so cool if they busted out a Royal Hunt song. And I was such a huge DC fan. And I, I talked about it when we did our um, our Royal Hunt live uh, album review a couple weeks ago. Um, I, and I got to meet him, which was a super cool experience and probably one of the tallest guys I'd met out of all the band members. Um, but um I thought that they were fantastic. I mean, it was like a really high energy, fast paced. They played um, a couple of songs from DC's solo album, which I'm a big fan of. They finished with a Judas Priest cover of You've Got Another Thing Coming. Um, they played Fall Into Oblivion, which is a song I had never heard before and instantly fell in love with from that performance. And I couldn't wait to go home and listen to it on the, the CD I just bought. So, um, Mike, do you have any um, interesting stories revolving around Silent Force uh, from while we were there? I have a very. Let me. I want to interject for a second. I'm, uh, hold on. I've already spoiled this for some of the listeners, and I've told the Silent Force story, but I have a feeling I butchered some of it. So I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Mike, tell us about your experience with Silent Force. <laughs> well, it was um, 
forgive me for not knowing their names because at the time um, I was still trying to listen to all these bands that some of them I never even heard of and trying to get into them. But I was walking along the merchandise area in the hallway and, um, and I see uh, the guitarist and the bassist uh, and they're standing in front of the, their merch table and they stop me. And they say, "You, <laughs> do you want to you want to buy some stuff? You know, you want to you know how how would you like to buy buy my jacket?" I was so like, he offered it up to you straight up. There was yeah. like this was this was the introduction. Buy yes. the jacket off of my back. Yes, this is the bassist saying like, "Do you, <laughs> you want to buy my jacket?" And I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I, I mean, I just heard these guys and and I like them. And they were great. So I was like, I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll buy your jacket. If I can get a picture with you guys, so I got a picture with with both of them, and they gave me a discount on the jacket because it's used, <laughs> and uh, and I still have it right here next to me, and it's uh, it's a great jacket, and I will always treasure it, and uh, that's what happened. Yeah, remember- so at the time it would have been um, Alex Bayrod on guitar and and Jurgen Steinmetz on bass. So uh, okay. that's the, and I think it was Alex who also had signed my. CD that I couldn't come up with his name, um, and he's like, he's like all over the place now. He's in Primal Fear, and um, uh, I forgot what else he Blue plays circle. with Matt Sinner. Um, so that would became a running joke that by the end of the festival, Mike would have an entire outfit comprised of guys from different bands. We're like, he's going to get Kai Hansen's boxer shorts, and he's going <laughs> to get a shirt from uh, Tobias Samet, and uh, <laughs> so. That became kind of a funny running joke that is still going on to this day. Um, but I love that you still have that jacket. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, how could I not? It's um, that that I I still laugh whenever I hear that story. Silent Force gets off the stage, and then a half an hour later, I think our lives would be forever changed when Ed Guy takes the stage. This was the one. How things have changed. This was the only set I stood on the floor for. I sat for pretty much everything else. I'm sure I stood at my seat for certain moments, but um, this was one of those things where I was like, oh my god, I need to get as close to the to the stage as humanly possible. And um, it's kind of funny because th- this is in the time of disposable cameras, and I'm taking pictures of, of all these bands, and this is the only band pictures that came out because <laughs> everything I took from the seats, I was too far away and didn't have a decent... Um, a decent enough yeah i wasn't close enough so um but yeah this was insane this was so incredible this it's funny i was to this day mandrake is not my favorite ed guy album and even though they played us such a you know they played quite a few songs off of it i was still in the height of my ed guy fandom here and then not only do they kind of touch you know a little bit of of all the albums that come before it for the most part when they played the cover of Avantasia, I think I lost my mind because as I had mentioned in the Metal Opera episode, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I never thought I would have a chance to see something like that live. And that hour felt like it went by in about 15 minutes. Would you agree with that, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Ed Guy really stole the show to me. Like They, they were just so uh, moved, I think, by the audience's reaction. Uh, I don't think they they expected that from an American audience. And I, and that was their first time in the U S I believe. Yeah. 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 And what's interesting to me is I'm not going to say that Tobias is the best singer of the bunch. There were a lot of great singers on that stage, 
But I think that everyone would agree he was the best front man on that stage. And the way that he could command that crowd, I don't think there was anybody in the entire place that was sitting down and not rocking out to that set. Because I just remember um, they are definitely one of the bands that stole the show. And they would come back and they would wind up headlining Prog Power 5. And this really just launched them into the stratosphere. And then, you know, not not terribly long after, they would be headlining back in and playing in front of 80,000 people on a regular basis. So, I mean, this literally just launched them into the next the next level. I remember, like, he wouldn't stop until every single person in the venue was on their feet. Like, he's like, well, I see somebody in the last row who's not standing. Like, And I think the, the crowd's energy and his energy were just feeding off of each other. And just it was like this domino effect of, of just energy and the songs they played. I had just purchased Mandrake probably that day. So I was not really – I think the only song I really knew was Tears of a Mandrake because of the single – was released, but I wasn't familiar with the album. So, like, when they played Save Us Now and they were singing about high-speed alien drum bunnies, I was just, I'm like, I'm sold. Like, I got to go home and listen to this album. Um, This was just mind-boggling. And to this day, I still, like, say, like, who's going to be, who's going to be the, uh, the, the, the Ed guy of, uh, of this year? Like, who's going to be that, that middle of the, middle of the lineup? band that just steals the show and, and you know like bands like uh Murath and and um I forgot who else like comes to mind off the top of my head but that was one of them just like that just came in and and blew the roof off the place that wasn't like a headliner or anything so um and and yeah two years later they were back headlining the festival so it was I think that they made an impression on pretty much everybody that was there and I just had a blast like jumping up and down and screaming. But um, I think the thing most people remember is uh, the just Tobias being completely like, like, oh, I could, it's an American crowd. They'll cheer anything. I could say anything. So he just decided to go on this like expletive uh, filled like thing where he just said every swear word that he could think of. Um, we'll have to post it if I could find it. I think it's on YouTube somewhere, but he got, you know, he'd say some swear words and the, the crowd would respond. And he's like, he's like, this is great. Like, so um it's hilarious um something i will never ever forget being a part of just like and him just the smile on his face it was just like incredible and and we got to meet it was so funny i remember meeting him and and jens ludwig who ended up being on our podcast uh a couple of months ago but um meeting them in the lobby they were there was a computer room for people to go check their email because nobody had, (laughs) there was no smartphones or anything like that. Like they had to go to like this computer room to go check their email. And we ran into them and, and um, I, uh, and we, you know, we're just constantly asking for photos. And I asked, um, I asked uh, um, Jens and Tobias to take a picture with me. And so like, I'm in the middle and I got these two guys on either side of me and Tobias is not, this, the tallest guy in the world. He's probably like maybe five seven or whatever. And he just looks up at me and he goes, "I feel like I'm standing in an effing hole next to this guy." <laughs> I never forget him saying that. And I sent those pictures to to Jens after we talked to him, and he's like, "Oh my god, we're kids back then." And I was like, "We yeah, all were." I mean, it was, it was it was it was it was it was the time. Um, after that, I actually felt a little sorry for the next band to come on because the headliners that night actually went on fourth instead of last just because of some scheduling issues. Uh, Blind Guardian takes the stage next, and 
they are to this day one of the tightest live bands I've ever seen. Um, it was a really good set, and and what really struck out, kind of like stuck out to me, was the set list that they played. It was just phenomenal. Um, a ton of stuff from Nightfall on Middle Earth, um, a, a ton of stuff from Imaginations. I mean, it was just your typical greatest hit set list from these guys. Uh, but they had a tough act to follow. And if correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I don't even think you saw that set. Oh, heard the whole thing. I was <laughs> standing right outside the door, um, just BSing with uh, a friend about. We were talking. We just got talking about sabotage and 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 wrestling for like an hour and I was just standing at the door. I heard the whole set, but I don't think I even set foot like inside the, 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 um, this, the room itself, but I heard it all and the crowd was going crazy. And, and, um, I mean, when they would come back to Prague power years later, um, they headlined the Thursday night show. It was one of the best sets I'd ever seen at Prague power. And I've seen quite a few, so I'm sure this was just as good, but yeah, it was, um, I was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit worn after that Ed Guy performance. Like that took a, a lot of energy out of me just because I had such a good time. And you're right, it was a, a pretty, pretty hard act to follow. Did you did you catch that set, Mike? Or were you, was this kind of like, were you kind of uh, a little uh, fatigued at this point? <laughs> uh, I can't say I remember seeing them. I'm not sure. I, um, I'm not. I know I'm going to get crucified for this, but I'm not like the biggest Blind Guardian fan, so. <laughs> Probably back then, I, I most likely skipped it. We're going to be disconnecting out. Mike's microphone in three, <laughs> two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was hanging out probably in the hallway, most likely. Um, yeah. The, the the next set looking for they, Dan Zimmerman. Yeah, probably <laughs> still looking for him. The probably. next set was kind of interesting because it was a band that I loved, but I think that a lot of other people very polarizing, and that's Pain of Salvation. They're actually scheduled to play uh, next year, which I'm looking forward to as well. They're going to be playing all the perfect element. They this this to me was the height of their um, success as a band. They had just come off of Remedy Lane. They had just released Remedy Lane, which is my favorite album of theirs. Uh, the perfect element was obviously fresh in in, in the memories of, of Pain of Salvation fans. I remember loving this particular set just because it was all this old material, which I loved. The band itself kind of took some turns after this, which I'm not as into uh, in terms of you know some of the newer material. But this set for me was awesome. Although I, I'm not sure that you guys are as into the band as I was. I think I skipped that one. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it was a long and hard decision, but I, I had to I had to bow out on that. I mean, I just didn't care. I don't even think I knew any of their songs at the time. Um, so I, I took a walk. Um, I was done uh, at that point, and and there was there was a lot to be to, that we had to rest for because the next day um, there was just a, a lot of a lot more good stuff going on. But um, I, I definitely remember going back to the the hotel afterwards and hanging out in the lobby with some of the guys. Um, I, I can't remember which night was which, but the guys from Ed Guy were super fun. And um, but uh, yeah, I guess Justin. I don't think Mike saw Pain of Salvation either, so I guess you're going to have to lead the way on this one if there's any anecdotes. Yeah, nothing nothing extraordinary um, other than, again, the set list that they chose was just great because they had four albums at this point, all of which were kind of home run albums for me. Not again, not 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 as crazy about some of the newer stuff, but at the time, these guys could do no wrong. It was their classic lineup with all the guys that had been together for a while at this point. I just remember enjoying the set, but I, I also had that fatigue factor. 
And I think that they would have fit nicely after Ed Guy as a little bit of a come down and then have Blind Guardian go on last. But again, scheduling concerns got in the way. I remember nothing at all. I mean, literally nothing about what happened after this set. I just remember waking up the next day and finding my way back to uh, to, to see Reading uh, Zero, who I had never heard a note from. These these guys were the openers for the second day of the fest, the Saturday you know night. I have nothing to say other than I just remember watching the set and, and you know they were good. I just unremarkable because of again what was about to come. Yeah, I remember the Prog Power website had like one one or two songs from each band that you could download and listen to. So I, I think I had made a like a my own little sampler disc. So I probably heard like one song from Reading Zero and one song from Zero Hour, and it didn't really excite me. So again, this is another one where I'm sure I probably sat there and listened to it, but I have no memory of it. Right you? after this would come one of my favorite sets maybe of all time. I don't know that it's funny because even though it's one of my favorite sets of all time, I can't even say that it was my favorite set of the weekend, but getting to watch Threshold, and we were all big Threshold fans. I I, I still am. They are one of the tightest live bands I've ever seen, and I've had the pleasure of seeing them with all of their different lead singers at this point, but this was the one time we got to see Max sing in the United States, and they were coming off of Hypothetical, which was arguably their best album, although I think it's a very hard choice. What a, what a, what a performance. And I know that Mike, you absolutely love this set. I, I just remember you going crazy when they went back and played the Leighton Gene. Yes. I, um, I, uh, found out about Threshold blindly by, um, I saw one of their CDs and I was like, this is cool cover art. I think this is probably going to sound good. So I bought it. This was way before Prog Power. And, I'm um, like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is great. So I was really looking forward to seeing them. And, uh, when they played, when he announced, uh, that they're going to play the Leighton Gene. I screamed at the top of my lungs, which you can hear on their DVD. You can hear me scream, yeah! Because you were the only one going nuts for that song, which is a great song, but you were literally the only one in the entire place going crazy for it. It was it was exactly after he says the, the, the song name, you hear, yeah, in the background, and that's me. And so I'm on the DVD. Yeah, it was, and, and, and just a performance. I mean, the set list was... Yeah. Uh, a very good set list. Yeah, I thought Mac Live was just outstanding. Yeah, I remember meeting so this, them after. So this this set was filmed for DVD. I don't think I realized that one one or two songs, I believe, were. Uh, I think it wound the, up on the Prog Power DVD. I don't think that Threshold released it. Oh, yeah, but I mean, this it was just. The, I, I remember them playing uh, Paradox from Wounded Land to, to close the set, which I was not expecting. Uh, oh my just, god, that reminds me of. I just thought it was so funny because you know Mac wasn't in the band when Wounded Land came out, and and um, so uh, when they get to this last song, and, and he goes, "Oh, we're gonna play an older song. It's called Paradox," and the, he's like, "It's from uh, an older album," and, and he couldn't remember the name of the older album, so he asked somebody i forgot who it was like uh what's the name of the album and he told him and he must not have heard him because he uh he goes uh oh, it's from our wonderland album and and, and i just remember uh, probably pat not not letting them hear the end of it after after saying it the, the wrong album title but um yeah. it was awesome getting to hear a song from that that first album and that's my favorite song as, from as, that mike, album. as mike has brought to my attention i think they actually released some clips from this show on one of their DVDs is kind of like bonus material on the Critical Energy DVD. So it was it was definitely uh, 
it was nice to hear this stuff. And I do remember Mike going absolutely bananas for it. Um, one of Prod Power's kind of favorite returning acts was Devin Townsend. But this, as I said, was his first full-length solo show that he would play at this at this fest. Had you ever heard of this guy before, or was this like completely brand new to you? No, I didn't know who this was. All, all I know is that he walked out, walked in front of the microphone, said, I just farted, and, and then I walked out and left. And like, that, was, <laughs> that was pretty much my Devin Townsend live experience until many years later when he, he would come on come back to headline the fest. And, and um, I ended up becoming actually a, a pretty big fan of, of his stuff. But like at the time, it was just... It was a little bit too out there for me, and I was just kind of into my meat and potatoes kind of stuff. Um, and he was just some this lunatic. He just walked out. He had a skullet as his haircut, and and the first thing he says, "I just farted," and I, and I just me, I just remember me and Mike looked at each other and we just laughed. And normally that would be the point where you go and get a drink, but again, we, we, I guess not happening at this show. It's funny. I, I was not a huge Devin fan at this point. I did have. Um, Accelerated Evolution, and I did have Terrier, which I really, really enjoyed. They didn't play very much from those albums. They played Storm. They played um, Earth Day, which is a phenomenal song off of Terrier. But I wasn't familiar with kind of the Ocean Machine stuff or any of that older solo material. So for me, it was kind of a hard one to swallow. I wish I could go back and watch it now, though, because I actually have a real appreciation for those albums. But it's been it's been it's been some time. Um, I will say though that after Devin leaves the stage, the next two bands are really what kind of solidified this whole experience for me. Getting to see Gamma Ray and Angra back to back was like a dream come true. Does it get better than that? I, I don't think so. Oh my god, I I I marked out pretty hard for this Gamma Ray set. Um, like they had just been doing their. Uh, skeletons in the closet tour in Europe where they were playing kind of like this fan voted set list of songs that they didn't play live a lot um, in the past. So they kind of mixed in some of that with, um, you know, some of their all time classics. I mean, they opened up with rebellion in dreamland. They played land of the free. Um, it, it was, it was unreal. Um, Gardens of the sinner. Like that was really cool getting to hear. Uh, that song. I mean, this was just a, a insane set, and then for them to come back out for the encore and play two Halloween songs, um, "Ride the Sky" and "I Want Out," and then and then <laughs> get the curtain shut on them while they were finishing. They were supposed to play one more song after "I Want Out," and we saw the set list um, next to the soundboard. They were they were going to play uh, "Send Me a Sign," and I just remember like they went over time and and that was my first experience with the uh, patented Glenn Harvest and curtain call. Uh, yeah, the the first of many. This this I think, you know, in retrospect probably was my favorite set of the of the weekend because I was just such a big Gamma Ray fan at this t- at the time. Yeah, me too. I mean, beyond the black hole. I mean, just never thought I'd be hearing this stuff uh, and it makes me kind of long for the days of this old Gamma Ray material. I know you enjoyed that as well, Mike, right? You just uh, you were a big Gamma Ray fan at the time. You didn't have the albums, but you knew enough from us that yeah. you, you bought the box set and would... He was holding it. He was holding the box set up at the band. Like, he looked like um, <laughs> he looked like Link after he finds a treasure in The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had it with me. That was the... I think that was probably the same night that I bought it. So I had it with me and... Um, yeah, I, I, I freaked out, you know, seeing Gamma Ray and then Angra. I mean, I, I always want to see Angra. Edu, uh, I wanted to say this earlier, Edu was one of the nicest guys I could ever meet in a band. 
you know, uh, I and mean, you're, they're a, all nice. they're you're all a huge nice. fan of Alma and all that other stuff. I mean, yes. you, you really followed them all the way through. Yeah, I, I, I think they're awesome. I love their sound. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that anger set was those first two anger albums after uh, Edu joined the band, both Temple of Shadows and uh, Rebirth. What albums they were, and they were just. Uh, this was on the Rebirth tour. Uh, they they touched a little bit of all those other albums as well. I just thought it was a perfect way to end the set, and then to end the entire festival with a cover of Number of the Beast. I thought it was like the most fitting way to end a, a metal festival. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I wasn't really expecting that at all, and I didn't know that Angra did that. So um, it was cool seeing like all the people in the in the crowd go crazy, like, "Oh God, we're getting a we're getting an Iron Maiden song to, to cap things off." Um, it was cool, like hearing them play a couple. I, I wasn't really expecting them to play a lot of the the stuff from when Matos was in the band, but they did end up playing Angels Cry and Nothing to Say and Carry On. So um, and Metal Icarus, which I thought was a song I would never hear. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true too. Um, so um, they played uh, Epicus Metal Metallicus Icarus <laughs> when, they so, covered, uh, when they covered Candlemas at the end of the set. Um, I, I remember um, coming out of our our hotel room and Edu um, just popping out of another room. The door opens and there's like this this smoke just comes out of it. It looked like uh, like pyrotechnics, but it was probably just weed. But um, he just comes out and he's got this this just this. I uh, was uh, gonna say a, a exploded deleted a grin, grin, a grin, grin on, on his face. face. Yeah. Oh my god! And like he he loved Mike. I just he just loved Mike. Every time he saw Mike, he would just smile and point at him or wave. But he Mike just echoing what Mike said before. He was such a nice guy. He was having such a fun time, and his energy was infectious. I thought. We get back to the hotel, obviously hang out for a bit, and then it's time to go home the next day. And I think it begs the question, you know, shortly thereafter, Nightwish would get announced for the following year's set. I went to that next year. I know you guys didn't. Mike and, and obviously Chris, you'd, you'd go back a couple of years later and haven't missed one since. Mike, you've hit a lot of them since then. Why didn't you go back to the fourth one? Was it the lineup? Was it just not getting to see Stradivarius, hoping that they would get announced. What was it that, that kind of just prevented you from going? And I have a feeling that it has to do with uh, money, but I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there to you guys. Yeah, it was a combination of, of money and interest um, and neither one of them lining up <laughs> as they should. Cause you know, I was still a college student. I had to basically beg my parents to spot me for, um, Prague Power 3 um, to like, you know, you don't have to get me a Christmas gift or a birthday gift like, because, you know, I needed tickets to the show, I needed money for the hotel room, and I needed money for the flight and, you know, I usually like, whatever money I saved during the summer from working was usually gone by th this was uh, November which, um, you know, Prague Power typically would take place in September years later but at the time this was in, in November and uh, so I had probably already blown through all of my uh, all my summer savings. Um, so to me, I think as much as I would have wanted to go to Prague Power 4, the lineup didn't um, grab me quite like this one did. So I don't know that I wanted to go through the trouble of begging again for, um, you know, for the funds to go. But in retrospect, I do regret um, missing 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, which were the the ones that I didn't go to. And then I would eventually come back 
uh, to Prague Power 10 in, t- in 2009, and I haven't missed one since. And, and I, I promised, I said, a, I made a promise that time at Prague Power 10 to you, Justin. I said, I will never miss another Prague Power. This was just too much fun. And, and then, you know, all those years later, the difference between being a college student and being like a full-blown adult who has a job, like debatable. a actual debatable. job, I could, you know, it wasn't a super expensive trip. And if you didn't, you know, constantly eat out and have expensive meals and buy a ton of drinks at the bar, like it really, it was a pretty reasonable trip. And, and that was part of also my decision to, to keep uh, returning. But yeah, that that's, I mean, I go back and I look at some of those bands that played and, the fact that I never got to see Nightwish with Taria and, and um, I would have loved to have seen the first time Stradivarius played at the festival and the conception reunion, which we were supposed to see last year. And um, again, uh, which I still haven't gotten to see. So I've never seen Roy Khan sing live. I mean, there's so many things that I, I missed, um, you know, John Oliva's pains set. I never uh, amorphous at Prague power, uh, uh, Wuthering Heights, um, so many things that that first brainstorm set, that first Circus Maximus set. There's so many just um, iconic sets that took place in just those five or six prog powers that I didn't go to. That I have so many regrets about. But I've actually gotten to the point now that I've been to more festivals than I've missed. So I kind of <laughs> that, that I can at least um, you know make myself feel better knowing that I've seen more than I've missed. So um, how about you, Mike? Yeah, um, I think you said it all. I, I I didn't go back to the fourth one. I'm sure it was because of money mostly because uh, I don't know what I was doing at the time. I was probably going back to school and uh, working only part-time at the same time. So um, to this day, I've still never seen Nightwish at all. And uh, so that's a bit of a regret, I guess. And um, I, I went back to a couple others after that. Uh, I think it was... I think it was the fifth one that I went to. I can't even keep track anymore. But that was just, uh, that was without any of you guys. It was with uh, uh, Pat. And uh, I remember I ended up getting, uh, getting a, like, I don't know if it was the flu or I, I got a fever anyway. And um, I was like falling asleep halfway in the chair and this and that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good time, but. It was probably the the Prague Power crud, as they call it. It's that like everybody crammed into that building. Eventually, yeah. one person gets sick, and then everybody else kind of falls uh, falls victim too. So um, I'll tell you, really it. it's uh, you know just looking back, I, what I what I wouldn't give to hear some of these hear and watch some of these old sets in their entirety, just because it seems like so many years ago now for some of this stuff. But it was definitely definitely a good time. And uh, we hope everyone enjoyed uh, this little trip down memory lane for us and kind of just, you know. Or, kinda, or remedy lane, if you As will. the case may be. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, uh, it was a good time had by all and it was obviously very uh, inspirational for us. But I have to ask you, Chris, as we come back to our regularly uh, scheduled format for next week, it is your turn to choose an album. And I am very, very curious as to what you're going to choose. Well, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit beforehand and, and – um, Mike, I just thanks again for joining us. Um, it, it it wouldn't be a discussion about Prague Power Three without um, without some of your your great stories about Dan Zimmerman and, and Silent Force Jackets and yeah. and all that. And and we probably forgot. I mean, some of the the funny things that happened. It was 
such a whirlwind 48 hours to think that like when we go now for four days, it feels like it went too fast. Like I can't even imagine just getting in Friday morning and leaving Sunday morning. And um, funny, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, we, the three of us shared a room and on Sunday morning, we set an alarm because um, I, my flight was earlier than yours. And so we set an alarm and we called the front desk for a wake up call. The wake up call never came. The alarm never went off. I missed my flight back. Um, so I ended up having to take a later flight. I had to stay. I think I had a layover in Philly and I had to like sit in Philly for like an hour and a half waiting for my flight back to Scranton. And, uh, thankfully no, the person who was supposed to pick me up, the, um, our, my friend who vomited in the earlier on in the story, um, I, he wasn't answering his phone earlier in the day and he, he partied again the night before he was supposed to come get me. And thankfully, uh, he slept in all day, and if I had actually gotten back on time, he would have not been able to come get me, and I would have been sitting at the airport in Scranton anyway. Truth so, be told, he was hanging out with Dan Zimmerman, which was the most ironic <laughs> part of the yeah. whole thing. No, um, it's, he was uh, he, he had he had just bought he just bought a gamma ray uh, pair of um, those uh, pull off uh, workout pants, um, and uh, but yeah, so like. Um, I think I ended up getting back around like six thirty, seven o'clock that night and then had to go to class the next day. And I was riding this high of, of like seeing one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. And then also that the depression of, of it being over in like a, a flash because we spent a year, I mean, a year talking about going and being excited about it. And, and so, um, yeah, I just, uh, it was such an amazing experience and it's cool that we can, um, get back together and talk about it. And, um, you know, when Prog Power 5 took place, uh, Glenn put together this DVD, which was kind of like this behind-the-scenes look at the festival, and he had uh, put some of the, the pro-shot videos of previous festivals um, on that DVD. So there's um, a couple of clips from this one. Uh, from Threshold and Silent Force, and so we're going to scour YouTube and see what we can find that that's been uploaded and share. But um, there was a kind of there was a back then a strict no video policy, and back then nobody had phones that recorded video anyway. But I mean, you know, you couldn't bring a. Some people would have a small video camera or whatever. So like for years there was no um, no video allowed at Prague Power. So there's very little actual footage of this. Uh, this I'm sure Glenn has it all, like his own private collection, which is probably incredible. But um, we'll see what we can find. I was able to dig up. I think I saw um, at least a, a threshold and a pain of salvation or, or I'm sorry, a Devin Townsend clip that was on YouTube. So um, there's some other stuff as well. We'll, we'll definitely get it out there. I know there's a Silent yeah. Force video out there and, and some Ed Guy stuff. Yeah, as and well, I think so. we could try to find that Ed Guy swear fest. So um, <laughs> yeah, that, that I just wanted to kind of um, wrap up the the Prog Power discussion with that, and and um, and, I, and I'm just really looking forward to the next time we can actually attend because um, this is the longest drought I've been on uh, since I stopped going. So. Um, and not not through uh, any fault of our own, but um, just uh, the world we're living in right now. So hopefully, come June next year, we'll be back in Atlanta, and um, and that's the hope. But yes, yeah, as far as um, next week goes, um, a band that I really have Prog Power to thank for for being aware of is the uh, Australian 
uh, band Voyager, um, whose genre is the uh, epic electro progressive pop power metal. Um, I don't think I know any other bands that are uh, that genre. And so, that's why um, they're the best. I mean, yeah, no question about it. The best. Uh, they, um, they are, uh, by the time this airs, they will have um, released their uh, Voyage Through Time. Uh, it's a kind of like a concert spanning their um, entire discography and, and kind of a celebration of their history. Um, it's dropping tomorrow, um, but it, by the time you hear this, it'll have been out. And I'm really looking forward to to checking it out. So I thought it would be um, a good time to discuss them in long form for the first time. And uh, I'm going to pick um, the album that um, really got me into the band in the first place. And that's the 2007 album universe. Um, so yeah, um, I was not super familiar with Voyager until I saw them play at Prague power and they made a fan out of me in, all of about five to 10 minutes of their, of their set. So um, I, I really look forward to talking about a band that I really, really like. And also like personally um, just the nicest bunch of people that you, that I've ever met that like of all these people and bands I've met, they are just super cool and, and really nice. And, and so, yeah, um, I'm excited to talk about them. Nice. I, I, I think that's a great choice. Um, kind of hard to pick one, so I'm glad you started there. I, I just as just as good as any. So um, I'm looking forward to that. It's an album I enjoy. Mike, I want to thank you again for joining us. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to jump on with us. Uh, maybe we'll do it again soon. We'll we'll come up with another special episode uh, as we get closer to 75 and 100. Um, but thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled format next week when we talk about some Voyager. And I hope everyone enjoyed this special episode. It was a trip down Remedy Lane for us. We'll talk to you soon. Shoe shine, shine. (laughs) Thanks for having me.